are live. Let's go live with Jack Kelly and the one, the only Claire Davis, <laughs> the proprietor of Traction Resume, recruiter extraordinaire. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jack. I've been waiting a long time to be on your show. I am so thrilled. I was actually just catching up on a couple of your recent guests, Virginia and Mary last week, just really wonderful coaches. So um, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So you know what? I like to jump into this too, right away, because if I understand correctly, you started out as a pharmaceutical salesperson. So you're used to sales. And I am a big believer in sales. I think that's a superpower as a recruiter. I consider a lot of what I do is sales, but most people, not so much. Do you, what do you think about applying your experience as a salesperson slash recruiter for job seekers and also for people who just trying to advance their careers? Oh my goodness. This is such a wonderful question. And I had a sort of an interesting twist with the start of my career because I was able to see from multiple different facets of mm-hmm. the, the, the job search and the hiring function. So when I first started out, I was a, an associate at a pharmaceutical sales recruiting firm. So we helped pharma reps get jobs. And then from there, I thought, wow, I mean, I want to go into medical sales. This, this sounds like a wonderful industry. So I had a chance to actually be in the field. And then now I'm a medical sales career coach. So I would say that what's really unique about that experience is that now I've been on every side of the table. I've hired, I've been the one hiring and I've been kind of, you know, uh, connecting the hiring equation. I know uh, earlier you and I were chatting about how recruiting can even feel a little bit like matchmaking or dating Mm -hmm. at times. And I think the core of that for everybody listening today is that really there's a lot of persuasion that goes into what you're doing when you're trying to promote yourself for right fit roles on every side of the table. So what I love about your message and what I love about what a lot of your guests have shared as well is that really when it comes to our career, we're not just sharing with people that we're okay and like we we exist in the space and we've done some things. When you are trying to advance your career, you are 100% in sales. So take everything that we talk about today as part of how you can enhance your selling of yourself in your career. So now what I I find out or found out over the years mm. when I interview as a recruiter people they don't tend to sell themselves. There's a lot of, here's my resume, here's what I've done, and that should speak for itself. And I'll tell them, no, that's that's just one part of it. You got to really sell it. And I'll add to it. I like how you said about persuasion, Claire, because that that's a really interesting that thing that people don't talk about. So it's not only sell, but you need to persuade people why they should like you, right? Why they should hire you, why they should give Mm -hmm. you a promotion, why they should give you, you know, a bonus. So how do you, how would you say like for somebody who is, let's say in between jobs um, or even somebody who has a job but wants to get a better job to use kind of sales and persuasion Mm -hmm. to get that opportunity? Yeah, that's such a great question. So um, first I'm going to, I'm going to shine a light on your most your most recent guest right before me, Daisy Mm -hmm. Wright, Mm -hmm. because something that she shared 
I absolutely loved. And she was framing it in the sense of a lot of times when we're presenting ourselves in our career stories in an interview, Mm -hmm. we're taught to frame them up in the star format, which if you're not familiar with the star format, it's situation, task, action, and results. And essentially it's how to frame a story so it's compelling and talks about your impact. But what she said was that the most important part of your story is the A and the I. And she wasn't talking about artificial intelligence. What she meant was talking about the actions you took and the impact Mm -hmm. it made. So with that in our lens, what I would say is that if you're between jobs and believe me, I have been there before too. And we can about, talk about, about how many times should I ask? <laughs> five times, Jack. <laughs> okay. Yes. I mean, I don't know if anybody else has a, um, wears five layoffs as a badge of honor. Now I get to, um, because once you have to start over that many times, you get really, really good at telling your story in a way that will move the needle for your career. Right. So, so a couple of things I learned from that were that when you're between jobs, that's when you recognize, oh, I should have been doing some things when I was happily employed so that I could continue the advancement of my career when these types of situations inevitably happen, Mm -hmm. because there's nobody on the planet. I would, I, I would bet my name on it. There's no one on the planet that hasn't heard of someone who's been let go or laid off or lost a job today. It used to be something that was sort of unusual back in the day. If you'd asked me like, you know, 15 years ago, if we had layoffs on our resumes, it was, it was like one in 20, you know, and we would address it on the resume, but it was kind of a, kind of a special scenario, but now it's very common, which is a bonus because not a bonus really, but a benefit because now that it is so common, it's taking a bit of the stigma out of it. So it's not so much this thing that, you know, we need to fear or think that people will not understand because most everyone understands what a layoff looks and feels like now, or at least knows someone who does. So between those jobs though, that's when you have an opportunity to one, recognize, Hey, I need to get in the driver's seat of my career. And the way that I might do that is networking while I'm happily employed and also maintaining my career documents like your resume and your LinkedIn profile. But also it's a great opportunity for you know anyone who's listening to go back through their experience and start to identify what their unique value is. And I like to think of it as the way you solve one problem is typically the way you solve all problems, or at least to some degree. And what's unique about that is that once you start to take the time, which sometimes you don't have when you're happily employed, but when you have that little opportunity to take the time and go back through your experience, you can start to see the through lines for your career. So maybe when you were working as a lifeguard at the pool in high school, And you noticed that the kids who were going down the slide were always, you know, uh, jump in line before the person at the bottom was out yet. Well, how did you solve that problem? Some people would probably put manpower on it. Other people might say we need better pool regulations. Others might say, hey, look, I've got a green card and a red card. You hold up the green when it's ready or keep the red up when it's not. So um, 
little things like that. Sometimes it takes that career gap to really have the moment to go through your career and think, okay, what about me is the way that I solve problems and is the way that I do business that people really love me for. And I'm pretty sure I tangented way far away from your original question. (laughs) So yeah. No, no, that's, it makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things too, is that to go to, to, to go back to what you're alluding to is that you want to make, you want to hedge your bets so that what, if you're, most people wait till either they're let go or they're miserable where they are to start looking for a role. And I think what you were kind of saying is that, wait, maybe hedge your bets. So instead of waiting for something to go wrong, start getting in touch with recruiters, build up your network, cultivate your network, um, maybe get in touch with a career coach, a resume writer, you know, so that if and when you decide to leave or maybe you're pushed out, you don't have to start from square one. So this way you're kind of straddled. And plus, maybe you, you know, you've had some informational interviews, maybe you had some, you know, real interviews. So then you're kind of ready as opposed to just go cold right into it. You know, so I I think, I think that's really important for people to do, because I I think a lot of people don't do that. They just wait for the worst and then they Mm -hmm. scramble and they're freaked out and their self-confidence is shot because, you know, they're in between jobs. So this way they're prepared. So I I think that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I love how you tied it together and, um, and, and really get us back on track there. And what I see a lot of times, Jack, is someone will call, call me and say, Hey, Claire, I need a resume, but I've, I'm really uh, ashamed mm-hmm. of my document, or I don't have one. And I can't believe it because I've been in a career yeah. successfully for 25, 30 years. But the thing is, is that a lot of times we get a bit complacent, a bit comfortable when we're out there winning, yeah. when you're out there doing well in business, the resume can often get kicked to the back burner because you're focusing on the, all the objectives you're looking to achieve for work. And that's completely normal. So in that case, I would encourage everyone to at least, at least take one of two avenues. First, you can either take the time and set some reminders for yourself to continue to nurture your career throughout the year. And it doesn't have to be an overwhelming task. Even setting a reminder on your phone for every six months to make sure that you brush up your resume and add some measurable accomplishments to that resume will serve you so well in the long run. You're not going to forget things. You're going to keep it fresh. And should you be next to someone on the water slide who you know you want to work at their company too, and you strike up a conversation and they say, oh yeah, shoot me your resume later. You're already 99% of the way there. The other way I recommend people go about this is to work with somebody like a career coach, because it's that accountability factor and someone who can help manage your career documents and, and the strategy for your career, just like you would hire a financial coach or a landscaper or anybody who will help you to maintain. Those are two really solid ways to, to keep yourself from getting flat-footed. No, I didn't. I didn't think about it till just now. Is it possible that when people don't have a resume or just mm-hmm. have like a haphazard resume, is that it's almost like psychs them out that if they did have a resume, 
You know what I mean? Like mm. saying, hmm, if I'm putting together a resume, am I foreboding, <laughs> you know, that something's going to happen to me? So I'm not going to write that resume. It's like writing a will <laughs> or getting life insurance. <laughs> Right. Like you don't want to get life insurance. You're like admitting, all right, I'm going to die one day and I'm going to get right. life insurance. Right. But write a will like, oh, my God, this is real. So yeah. is I, I didn't encourage me as like you're talking about it. Do, do you think that's something that's why people don't put it together? And they and, and if they do, they just do a crappy job because they just don't want to face like, oh, my God, if I'm doing this, is, this is for real. I'm going to maybe switch <laughs> jobs. You know what I mean? Or maybe I'm going to lose my job. Well, it might be the same feeling they feel yeah. like, you know, when uh, a recruiter calls you or when, when candidates call you, Jack, and just because they're curious, or maybe mm -hmm. you've reached out to them and they're mm -hmm. open to the opportunity that yeah. you have to just chat about it. Um, I like to flip that on its head. I'm a big fan of manifesting your opportunities. Mm -hmm. And part of that might just be maybe it's a little less of I'm going to lose my job if I work on my resume as much as it's I'm going to start seeing more opportunities out there while I'm working on my resume because I can tell you that 100% of the mm -hmm. time when I started to invest in getting my resume done, um, interviewing um, informationally and starting to really amp up my network, that's when the opportunities start coming your way and the universe conspires to help you in whatever way, you know, you believe whoever is listening, but I can tell you that when you start looking for opportunities, you will see them, but there is a trick to that because something that happens often <laughs> is that when we're in that situation of despair, or when we're in that situation of doubt, because things are shaky with the investors at our company or the data didn't come through that we needed to justify the product launch. So, um, and for those of you who, who haven't met me yet, I focus primarily in the healthcare space and in medical sales. So, um, so a lot of my examples are from there, but those kinds of things can, can give you a bit of an uneasy footing and you know that something's coming, but if you start to prepare you will notice that there are other opportunities out there simply because you're putting yourself in the way of those opportunities. So um, it's it's interesting um, what you say, because you're right. The actions that we take definitely manifest our reality. Absolutely. So let's talk have about you, that. Let's have talk, you had that experience? Have, has you, this happened to you before? Yes. And that's okay, why I kind of us. really want to, I, I like to maybe talk a little bit about it, or, or you could share a little bit about it so people understand what we're talking about. So uh, manifestations, mm -hmm. uh, affirmations, mantras, uh, visualization, what other kind of things fit into that category? Is there anything else to add? Or that's kind of, oh, or at least that's enough to do, do it for now. I, so, think, I think for me with any of those, there's, yeah. there's like a, a specific trick to them. Uh, and trick's probably the wrong word, but the specific the more specific that you can get about any of those things, that's where I see the faster results are happening. We would so, so let's say so for a so for a manifestation, okay. right? For people who are not aware, like how would you describe that for people who aren't aware of like what manifestation is and how does it work? Sure. I'll tell you a great story about that. Okay. So I was working with a gentleman last year and he called me absolutely distraught. Um, he had been at a company taken over a territory. And the short story is 
there were some things behind the curtain that he wasn't aware of and he wasn't able to fix those things in the territory and they let him go in six months. Now, this is a gentleman who has absolutely topped the charts at all of his other therapeutics companies until he came to this one and unwittingly entered into a situation he couldn't fix and it became a real turning point for his career. So he gets the boot. And he sees the video on LinkedIn. I think I was talking about how if you start your resume with, I have 25 years of experience in such and such industry, we need to talk. Um, and he, he, he called me up and he said, Hey, I, uh, I saw your video and, um, and I'm interested in what this whole career advancement, you know, career coaching and, and resume writing is all about. So we work together and find out that he is an expert in commercialization. And, you know, he's been at the regional level, but he's seen it six ways to Sunday in academic centers. He's worked in community centers. He's, he's generated major numbers and he's, he's had the opportunity to launch a lot of projects soup to nuts. So we start talking about this corner that he is the expert in and, and turns out it's really where he finds the most enjoyment in his career. Right. And, and really, if, if anyone listening is thinking, well, I mean, there are parts of my career I enjoy, but like, I could never lean into that. Mm-hmm. I am here to tell you today, lean into that because typically where you find the most enjoyment and the most flow and ease within your career is your zone of genius. And we're all sitting back watching you wondering, holy smokes, how do they do that so easy? So lean in where it feels right. So the short, the short story about manifesting was we ended up talking a lot about how his commercialization strategies were working in the field and how he had these great ideas about how it's really step-by-step and maybe he would want to get into the commercialization seat, the CCOs, the, the chief commercialization officer suite. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sure enough today, that's exactly where he is. So in one year, he went from. I'm absolutely frustrated with my job. I'm going to reach out for help. I now have identified that I have this expertise that I didn't even recognize was unique to me. Now I know how to talk about it. Now I know who to talk to about it. And now I'm doing it. And so I think that manifestation is really powerful when you start to get specific about what it is you want to do. And also what are the ways that you are uniquely great at bringing solutions to other people to solve their problems. And, you know, Jack, before I know you and I know before we started recording, we were talking a lot about how when you're trying to get into a job you love and find a right fit job, you're really in sales for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's really about putting your sales and marketing hat on at that point. And when you do, that's when the real momentum starts. So that's my story. Can I, can I kind of go back to manifestations and give you a personal example? Please, yes. So like a lot of recruiters, you don't grow up saying, hey, I want to be a recruiter. So when you were a little kid, you go, you know, do you want to be an astronaut? Do you want to be a doctor, <laughs> a fireman or a recruiter? Yeah. A recruiter doesn't like, what, you know, one thing doesn't belong with the other, right? Yeah. So most recruiters, and I don't mean to disparage other recruiters, myself mm-hmm. included, is that, you know, you fall into it. And when I think you fall into it, meaning like you fail at a whole bunch of other things. And then finally you go into recruiting because recruiting 
it doesn't, it's a very low bar of entry. You don't have to do any licenses or accreditations. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be too bright. And you can just say, I'm a recruiter. So you fall into it. So I fell into recruiting. And I, 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 I had the mindset of like, hey, I did a several, you know, different jobs and, you know, beforehand, just whatever, it didn't work out. And I, I was at an age now, like, I got to make something happen. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about recruiting, but I'm going to make this work. And back in my mind, I always wanted to have my own business. I'm not sure why. I think there's an old story about like my grandfather had a shoe store and it was really cool. <laughs> so I, I was always like, I always wanted to be like, have my own business. And so yeah. I had this mindset that, hey, I want to make a, in my mind, I had a certain amount of money I wanted to make and, you know, I wanted to build a business. And, and Claire, I'm telling you, it's so weird. Like mm -hmm. it would happen organically in my mind. Like every day throughout the whole day, it would be like like a loop playing in my head. You know, mm -hmm. you know how people like get negative thoughts and that negative loop is in the head and, and it's terrible. This was more of a positive one, saying, "Okay, you're gonna you're gonna do this. You're gonna make this amount of money. This is what you're gonna do." And it, it went on for years, and it worked. It was crazy. And then things would come to me like job orders, candidates. And then you you talked about the flow before the same thing. Mm -hmm. Then you get in that flow, and then you're just going and you're doing and you're just part of this whole thing. And you you, you look you know at your watch and go, oh my god, how is it after five o'clock already? What's how like did I fall asleep? So it's a weird thing, and I didn't even really know about manifestation. I didn't know what it was until later on. <laughs> you know, when I, when I read about it, it was just something that just. It was a weird thing that just kind of clicked in out of nowhere. Yeah. Does that make any yeah. sense or is that completely weird? No, it totally makes sense. In fact, I love how specific you were about the goal. Yeah. Even if it was subconscious at first, you know, you knew yeah. I want to own my own business. And I would, I would like, I would also yeah. likely guess just knowing you as I have mm -hmm. come to know you over the years that you also uniquely knew you wanted to help people, which I think yeah. that there are a lot of different goals, but I find you to be a very um, authentic, um, person really hinged on helping other people. Oh, hundred um, percent. But, but it's so, can I tell you though, it's selfish though, in a way, seriously, this is weird. This is also weird. It's selfish in a way, Claire, because by helping somebody, right. You know, let's say I place somebody and now they could, you know, get a better home. Maybe now they could have that other kids that they didn't want to have because they felt money was tight. You know, mm -hmm. they can have money to put away for college. So like you, you get such like pleasure from that, from yeah. like helping people. So yeah. like, in addition, you know, I'm not gonna lie. The money is great too, of course, but, <laughs> but you, the, you know, like, it's so weird. Like the calmer you get and you feel like when you made a difference in someone's life, it's, it's like, it's amazing. It really is. It's like the, like one of the best highs. It's like, Better than having a drink, better than, you know, I don't know. I've never done heroin, so I don't know how that is. I'm sure. It's like, I guess it's kind of up there in a way where like, you're like, wow, this is so yeah. cool. I was able to make this, help this person make their life better. And then it feeds on itself. Like, I want to do it again because I love that feeling. So in a bizarre way, yes, you know, I like helping people, but it, there's, there's an intrinsic value you get internally when you do good stuff and you help people. It's weird. Yes. I don't, again, I don't know like how that is or why that is. But then that works because then you're motivated to keep doing it because yes. you like doing it and you see the results. Okay. So can we, can we transition that yeah. just a bit <laughs> into, okay, well, first of all, I have a, I have a, um, 
something I learned from a wonderful rep who counseled me when I very first started in medical sales down in, I was helping this one, her name's Jen down in LA. And, um, she was the first person who I really recognized that competition was obsolete for her. She, and I don't mean that she had her head buried in the sand or that she didn't recognize the high stakes of the industry that we were in. But for Jen, we would walk into a hospital and where some people might like, you know, kind of scoot the other com competitors, uh, brochures aside and put theirs in front or like, you know, <laughs> kick some, yeah, yeah. shut the door in someone's <laughs> face or whatever. Jen went in, she knew every single competitor's name at the hospital. She knew their kids' names. She knew birthdays and she'd take them out to lunch and she created this, um, environment of camaraderie, even with her comp competing business. Right. In fact, I remember this one time we were in a case and we, the, the physicians at the time, we were selling a diagnostic test for women who had ovarian cancer. We mm -hmm. would take a piece of the cancer and then have it tested in our lab. Well, you need kits for that. And they, they had run out of our kits for the day because we had ordered as many as we had. And so instead of saying, oh no, don't order that today, or let me run to another hospital a few hours away, can you wait? She opened up the competitor's kit and said, here, let's use an oncotype for this. This woman can't wait. She needs her results right now, right? And the, the physician was like, well, yeah, but like that's your, okay, you know? And it generated such incredible goodwill that every time I worked with Jen, it just felt good mm -hmm. because there wasn't this heaviness of competition. There wasn't this feeling of desperation or lack because we were just all arm wrestling each other to get in the, or it was, we're here to help the patients that we're meant to serve period. And whoever here is part of that equation, we're going to help them too, to make sure that the women who get, who need this kind of treatment, get the kind of treatment that they need today. So going off of your manifesting and how that feels really good to help other people. I feel like that was the first segue I also had into how helping other people and, um, leading in that way can really also alleviate a lot of the stress that comes from competition, whether in business or interviewing for a role or, or getting laid off and not knowing what to do, because when you look at it that way, as a blue ocean strategy, as everyone has their own thing, they're bringing to the table. And we're all just trying to go home at night to our families and do our best job. It helps me. And I think it helps our people who are listening today. I hope it helps you to focus on what is the, what's at the end of the rainbow that we're trying to provide today. So yes, you're going to go and interview with this company. And yes, there's 35 other people who are also interviewing, but what challenge are they trying to solve at this company? And it allows you to shift the focus from, am I presenting myself perfectly? And am I saying all the right things? And am I using all of the right star formats to, to get my stories across? And instead it makes us better questioners and listeners to get to the root of what the company hiring us or, you know, interviewing us really needs solved. And that for me is the kicker because when you start to really get close to what your target, so the ideal hiring team is trying to solve, they will tell you 
what they need you, what they need from you, what they're looking for you. And you'll organically know if you're the right fit and you'll know what to bring up about your experience. And that for me is great selling. It's not beating everybody every time and just being this like magical persuasive salesperson. That to me is not the real heart of selling. Um, and I think you and I talked about this before that selling gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. What sales really is, is deeply understanding what the challenge or the pain is of the person we're trying to help and doing whatever we can to help alleviate that pain. That for me is exactly what it is. It's consistent with being in the OR and having a diagnostic product product that will help a patient and also consistent with sitting in that hot seat in the interview and saying, I am not going to sweat about my answers being absolutely perfect today. Instead, my goal is going to be, do I deeply understand what the challenge is that they are facing on this team enough to the point where I can know that I am the right person to solve it and bring them evidence to substantiate that claim. That for me is great selling. I, I love it. And if I could add on to it a little bit. Please. To your story, it's a little bit of Sun Tzu as well, where mm. Art of War, where, because interestingly enough, I, I've done that also in terms of you know my career. And there's lots of recruiters that you're competing against. I've always put on blinders, yeah. you know, and like, okay, I'm focused on me and what I have to do and my objectives and my goals. And I, I can't lose sight of that. I have to be laser driven because if not, I'm looking at this person over, what are they doing? Oh, what's my competitor over here doing? And what are they doing? And then it, it just throws you off your game. But mm -hmm. if, if you just kind of have tunnel vision and say, okay, I got I, I know what I did. You know, I know I have this job order to fill, that job order to fill. I, I got to reach out to this person to get that job order. I have my game plan and I just got to execute. And if I start looking what someone else is doing and how much money maybe they're making, it, mm -hmm. it just, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't work. But it works yeah. if you just kind of kind of hyper focus on what's important to you, not worry about the competition. Um I don't know. It does. It seems to, it seems to just flow yeah. better. And then also similarly, the way you described it, this was so weird. I don't think they do this kind of what you did in, in pharmaceutical sales pre COVID. Mm -hmm. Let's say there's a job order, you know, with Morgan Stanley, right. And they'd have the recruiters come in and you would have like five, six different recruiters from different search firms, all sitting around the table and we're all competing against each other which is so awkward and weird because <laughs> yeah. you should eat what you kill. Like if, if somebody gets that job order and they're going to get a nice fat commission, everyone else goes home empty, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a crazy thing. But even then, to your point, I would always engage with the other people. I'd yeah. always talk with them because I felt it. Why am I going to create enemies? You know, and like, why am I going to have this animosity that's going to weigh me down? Because who knows, maybe one day they come over and join my company. So I always tried, you know, to, to engage, to work with them, just like you were saying, and collaborate with them. And then it pays off in the long run, because then you'll get somebody down the road who'll say, hey, Jack, you know what? I know you specialize in legal and compliance. I don't do this, but I got this job order. Should I send them your way? Because I don't know how to. I'm like, oh, thanks. So these things do work out, right? 
They really work out. Yeah. They really work out. And it's nice to know that goodwill does win the day mm -hmm. a lot of times if you lean into it. Um, and I'm not surprised to hear that about you in the least that, you know, you, you treated everybody with dignity and fairness. It just, it, it just really is, it, it is who you are. Um, and it's, it's nice to see because I know personally how cutthroat, um, recruiting can be. So, yeah. Oh, it's really cutthroat. Is, is it the same way with pharmaceutical sales? Like if like you don't get to that doctor, you lose out and the next one gets it. Is that oh, similar? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in, in very much so. Um, so my experience actually in the field was um, I didn't have the chance to sell for pharma, but instead was in diagnostics. So mm -hmm. ours was a lot of, you know, you gather tissue, we have a proprietary test that's sent, you know, and then they figure out what the patient and physician uh, should do following those results. So it was very cutthroat, but at the time there weren't as many tests on the market as there are today. Now, I mean, laboratory sciences and, and testing is one of the fastest growing segments of medical sales. And the reason is because, you know, it, it's just um, kind of a new and recalibration of all the different algorithms that are applied to the data we can get from a cell or from blood, right? So it's, it's fast growing and absolutely competitive. Um, but I would say that the other piece that's really interesting to watch is that this year alone, we have had more than half of the work that we've done for, you know, our resume clients have come from the big med tech companies. So the big med device companies. And what's interesting is the model has really shifted in healthcare from, you know, I go into hospital with my widget and if the doctor likes the widget and feels like it would be helpful and more helpful than the old widget, we'll buy the new widget. But now it's all about enterprise sales. So for, I would come in and I would be from, you know, Schmedtronic <laughs> <laughs> or Friker, right? Like yeah. one of those two really right. big med tech giants. And I would say, okay, well, I have this suite of products that will serve the entire uh, orthopedic floor. Hmm. And so it's really exceptionally competitive in med tech because you also have these smaller companies that have been pushed out for these enterprise accounts and they are fighting like heck to get back in that hospital, just in that little corner. Um, so it's a really, it, it's a really fascinating industry. It's a lot of uh, expert selling. It's a lot of partnering with physicians. Um, and even there's a lot, there's a new model that's a lot more like uh, distributor models. Uh, so in orthopedics, maybe you work with a physician and then you know what that specific physician's needs are. And so you bring him all the tools that you have found have been the best from other companies and you are the one source to deliver them to that doctor. So it's really interesting how the model mm -hmm. has changed, but at the core of it and at the core of getting a great job in this industry, which applies to all industries, I would say, is still creating those really strong relationships and asking great questions and being invested in finding out the answer. Because whether or not you're trying to sell an enterprise model, or you're trying to be a distributor for a doctor, or you're trying to get into an amazing company, it's all about developing the trust with the person you're speaking with so that they know the problems they present you with, you will be the first one to work the hardest to go get the answer for them, even if you don't have it right now. 
So it's, it, there's it's a really, lot of parallels in selling yeah. and career advancement. And you know, I find out this with career coaches, resume writers, when people come to you and others like yourself to get help, you could spot, it's like the canary in the coal mine. You could spot trends. Like, what are you seeing when people come to you now? Is it within the health sector? Are they because they lost jobs or mm. things are good and they're looking to get a better job or find ways to grow within the organization? Do you see any trends happening? The trend I see right now is the um, it, more frequent waves of layoffs. So mm. where major tech companies might have laid people off once every year, right? And and there are some horror stories that I'm sure if you're if you're near the medical sales space or know anything about big med uh, companies, you know there are some that are so cutthroat that if you land in that bottom ten percent, you're just gone. Yeah. But it would be like a once a year thing. And now, unfortunately, with all of the shifting sands and the different uh, ways that companies are working, um, and and re uh, we'll say recalibrating themselves, we're seeing two and three waves of layoffs at certain companies, which is unusual. The other thing that's really unusual in healthcare right now is that, and Jack, you'll probably be able to echo this as well. Traditionally, summer is a slow time oh, in yeah. recruiting and job placement. July, June, July, and August have been our busiest months of the entire year. Really? That was shocking to me. I mean, I, and, and I'm here for it, but at the same time, it was really surprising to me. So I think that there was a sort of lull earlier in the year, in the spring, when, um, chat GPT came out and people wanted to try that, you know, the market had a lot of uncertainty in it. Uh, certainly healthcare companies had a lot of things that they were putting on pause because of the market. And it was a waiting period for by about 60 to 90 days. And then June hit and bam, everybody's mm -hmm. like, okay, now's the time. I see the things changing. I need to get my resume done. I need to go and make sure that I'm being on the offensive because if something changes at my company, which is happening more and more and more in medical sales right now, I want to be ready. So um, I'm glad to see it. I think that it's a good wake up call to see markets shifting in this way, because you just don't know uh, about some of the factors you may not even be privy to that'll affect your longevity at a company. So being ready before it's necessary is something that we like bang the drum on mm -hmm. all the time. Um, in fact, we just started a program, which I don't think I've told you about yet, but we do a subscription program for our clients because once they realize, oh my goodness, I need to get this resume in order, then who's going to keep it that way, right? Because you're still just as busy being the CCO. Mm -hmm. You're still just as busy running your region. So I'm really glad that there is a small silver lining to the, the layoffs and to the, um, the industry right now, the, the, the upheaval in the industry. And I think that's a greater awareness about how we tend to become comfortable and a little bit complacent sometimes when things are going well, but at the same time, we should put just as much focus on being ready. Should we need to, or have to make a move? Yeah. What kind of trends are you seeing? You know, interesting enough, like kind of similar. It seems that uh -huh. when you had Silicon, because we placed more Wall Street. So okay. you had Silicon Valley Bank go, you know, belly up. You had First Republic, you had Signature Bank. Then there's all these fears about a banking crisis. 
Um, then you have Ukraine in the background. So you definitely saw that like slow, everyone's worried. But then, yeah, like about a month or so ago, starting to see like little like, okay, hey, here's another job that came in. Here's another job. It's still slow going. It's still definitely slow going. And it's still slow because you know, HR person's out on vacation, then he or she gets back, and then the hiring manager <laughs> goes away, and then the candidate. So it's still a little slow. But you definitely seem, it definitely seemed to be like, okay, the world didn't come to an end. We're mm -hmm. still going on. Okay, now we can start hiring a little bit again. You know, so I definitely see that. But you go back to layoffs, Claire. Yeah. So you had, if you're comfortable talking about it, from what you know, you had a, few, a couple of layoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any lessons learned for you? Any lessons you can impart to people? Or is this one of the reasons maybe you decided to kind of go into, you know, helping with resumes, giving career advice, figuring, hey, I kind of got through this myself. I want to help people to navigate yeah. for them. Yeah, it's a loaded question, huge <laughs> yeah. question. Thank you so much for asking. I love sharing this story because yeah. okay. my hope is that- it I didn't mean to put you in a bad spot. So. No, I'm oh, so okay. glad okay. you asked. I okay. love talking about layoffs and and believe me, it was uh, about a decade until mm -hmm. I love talking about layoffs, <laughs> right? Because when you get laid mm -hmm. off, it hits you in a lot of ways you don't expect, certainly financially and yeah. stability wise, but then your pride takes a huge hit. I mean, you really do start questioning your worth and you, you, you tell yourself that I'm more than just my job and my title does not define me, but where do we spend the majority of our day and derive the majority of our fulfillment and yeah. our self-worth it's work, um, until you're a parent and then you're, you know, constantly managing <laughs> children, but that's okay. That's yeah. lovely too. So, um, so I would say that, uh, for anybody who is, is uh, considering that layoffs could potentially be happening at their company or they've been through a layoff, listen to this story. So I came out of uh, school, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> I had been working as an associate in a, in a pharma recruiting business. Mm. And um, so I knew all the tricks, right? I was counseling people 15, 20 years my senior on how to close an interview at age 13. Like it just was part of the yeah. conversation. And I remember Jack, when my family and I would go out to dinner, we would, me and my dad and my mom, we'd kind of round table at like a, you know, Chinese restaurant or something. We'd be eating our wontons and talking about if Sally closed the hiring manager, wait, wait, right? Like your that parents, was our life. Were they in, in the, in that business too, or no, your family? Yes. Oh, this oh. is their business. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So my mom opened the business after she learned how to be a great recruiter working for other people as well. And then thought, I could do this. I'm going to open my own. And she did, and they did well. And that's where I learned a lot of the underpinnings of how to write a resume, how to um, convey your value to somebody in short order, how to conduct yourself in an interview and, you know, wear a suit and make sure you clean up before you get in that interview right. seat. Right. So, um, so really it was always part of the equation so I get my degree, I get into my, my first job because I was going to be this marketing maven and it's going well. And after six months in 2008, if anybody remembers mm. that year, the home industry, um, all our clients were high-end home appliances and half of us get laid off. And so I cried and I drove home and thought I'm worth nothing. And you know, all the things that you don't want mm. to think, but you do. And I ended up getting back into another job and that was all right. And I thought, surely lightning can't strike twice. 
So the next piece I ended up working up for, um, through some connections for uh, a group, uh, it was that diagnostic company I'd mentioned earlier. And I met with the hiring manager and their team and they were just vibrant. They were so excited about what they were doing. And it was kind of marketing, kind of sales. And I was like on fire for this. And they're like, you should come work here. Interview next week. I met just the right people. I had my resume together because I was a recruiter's daughter and I got that job and it was amazing. And 18 months later, I got laid off again. And so now I'm thinking, oh no, I can't, not only does lightning strike twice, like in, in less than two years, like this is just bizarre and why me and all these things. So this comes to pass, this is going to happen three more times, but I don't know this yet. But what I found out after one more layoff after this one was that I had a client who called me from two positions earlier. And I was really down because I thought I can't hold a job of all people. And I just don't even know if I am good at this selling thing. I've, I've won some awards, but if I can't hold this gig, um, there's no, how can I possibly, you know, even continue going into to sales and, and marketing? Like, am I really worthy of this? And I had a, a, a an old client call me cause I never changed my phone number. That's a hot tip. Don't change your phone number if you, if you don't have to. And he said, um, Hey, Claire, listen, I'm in the OR and I think he was from Alta Bates and, uh, which is a hospital down in San, outside of San Francisco. And he says, Hey, I'm in the OR and we need a kit. We're, we're completely out and we've got something coming out right now. Uh, can you get us a kit? And I said, Hey, oh, that's so nice. Um, I'm so glad you called. Um, I'm so glad you're sending that sample. I don't, um, I, I'll, I'll coordinate it for you. I'll call the person who works in your region now at the company. But I said, you know, though, I don't, um, I actually don't work there anymore. Do you, did you know that? And he goes, yep, I know. And I said, oh, I said, well, uh, why, why? I'm glad you did, but like, why did you call me? And he said, well, because I know you and I, I know, I knew that if I called you, you would do whatever you could to make it right as fast as you could. I'm getting chills. like telling you the story. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I realized that people like doing business with me, not because I was the precision rep or because I was the marketing girl from Merlot, but because they liked the style of work that I brought to them and that they trusted me as a professional. So what the layoffs taught me right then, because I knew how to write a resume and I knew how to get a job and interview and job search and network and all those wonderful things, which are all the big tools you need in your toolbox. I mean, you need all that for the puzzle. What I didn't understand until that moment was that there was something unique about me that people enjoyed doing business with. And it went beyond what I had on my name tag. And so now when I work with people and we write their story on LinkedIn, we, we do their LinkedIn profile or we write their resume and maybe they've been through some tough times, layoffs. Maybe they, maybe they tried to, to launch a product, but they just could not get the FDA to approve it. They could not make it through to get that trial to fly. And they're just feeling like I'm a huge failure. You're not a failure. In fact, 
you tried. And that's so much more valuable than never trying at all. And frankly, there's something unique about every single person, everybody listening today, there's something unique about you and the way that you do business, which people absolutely love you for. And you got to find out what that is. You got to go back through your, your recent experience. You go through your career, think about how did you solve problems? And, and when something just flopped, what did you do? You know, when those kids were jumping line in the slide, how did you fix that at the water park? And when you identify what your unique value proposition is, and you can, you can connect it to the hiring team's challenge that they're trying to solve. That's magic. That's why working with a resume writer or working with a career coach unlocks things for people because we're often too close to our story. If that gentleman never called me from the OR, I might never have thought about it like this. I would not have thought, oh, he, he trusted me for something because of it was me. I should find out what that sounds like and learn how to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I think if you want to get anywhere in your career, if you're trying to pivot industry, if you're trying to get back from a layoff, if you're trying to get promoted or just move, if you can identify what it is about you that people love doing business with you for, back that up with results and then connect with someone deeply on really what the challenges they're trying to solve, you become the obvious hire for them. It just takes a little bit of time and a different perspective on how to look at what you bring to the table. You know, I'm really glad you shared this story um, for, for many reasons. But one, the trend over the last couple of years, if you think about it, quiet quitting, bare minimum Mondays, acting your wage, you know, the great resignation, which all the undercurrent is all like, I'm just going to do enough to get by. I'm trying to get one over on the company by just, just, you know, just going, just doing enough. So I don't lose my job. And I find it's just the opposite. It's actually more work. This could sound crazy. It's actually more work to try to avoid work than actually yeah. doing it. And <laughs> yeah. by actually not only doing it by going above and beyond, now, a lot of people criticize me what I'm going to say next is like, I would even suggest if the company offers hybrid or an office or a home, I would say go into the office because then people see you. There's a proximity bias. They'll see your work. They'll you know, see Claire hustling, working hard, getting things done, being that go-to woman when anything goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen when it comes time for like a promotion? They're going to go right to you because they've seen you in action day after day after day, killing it, doing really well. Whereas the people, and I'm not being negative about the people who work remote at all, because I can completely understand it. I'm, I've been working remote now, so I get it. But you're kind of a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and mm -hmm. you can kind of get forgot. So I think that's a valuable lesson for people. Instead of following those TikTok meme kind of you know stuff that's yeah. harmful to your long-term career, to do what you're doing, that you build a reputation that everybody will know, like years later, they're going to call up Claire and say, hey, I need something. And I know you're the woman who can make it happen. And that's invaluable. That's like, that's, that's, that's such great currency for building a career. So, so for people who are kind of, 
hearing all that other stuff like no you know just uh, do whatever and do the least bit possible no that's not going to help you it actually makes you yeah. it makes you worse right right and i think we've all felt um how it is to be on the other side of that yeah. too when when you know you go and you really seek an answer you really you go to the the geek squad desk at best buy or wherever mm -hmm. and you know do they really figure out exactly what happened with your computer or are they kind of shining you on so you can just move along and they can take a look at their leisure right so i think you're right um and and knowing what you're known for it's not easy so if anybody's sitting there thinking hey uh i have no idea what my unique value looks like or sounds like just know that that is totally normal because we're so close to our entire story that often it can be really challenging to get it down and get it down to a, uh, like sound bites that you know about yourself and that you can talk about. Um, but you mentioned something, Jack, that I want to touch on mm -hmm. because there are a lot of, um, you know, trending videos on TikTok and on YouTube and wherever about things you should do during a layoff, uh, or right after a layoff. And one of the first myths I want to dispel just quickly here is that what I see a lot is the advice is something to the effect of jump right into self-care, shut everything down, draw the blinds and like <laughs> curl up in your Snuggie <laughs> and hug your dog. And listen, yeah. there is a time for that. Yeah. And I certainly did all of those things. But before you go jumping into self-care, I like to think of it as when you get laid off, it's like your house is on fire, right? You know, it's bad and it's going to get a little <laughs> bit worse, but you don't sit there in the kitchen and start cooking or like kumbaya on the floor. Okay. What you do is you grab your essentials and you get out of that house. So same thing. If a layoff happens to you or you know, it's coming, if you're lucky enough, like I was twice where you, you were told ahead of time, at least a week or a month or a few months. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to log your wins. So anything that you generated, that is something that can support your career. So numbers that you grew and, and we're not talking about stealing information from the company. We're talking about if you don't yet know what the measurable impact has been of you being at this company, go find out right now download the data that you need, write down the numbers that you're going to want to have so that when you talk to the next company and they say, okay, Claire, you built, you know, um, you grew this business segment by how much you'll be able to tell them, right? So first log your numbers, get your metrics in order. And the second thing that you must, must, must do is log your contacts. So people that you've worked with, who love doing business with you, people in leadership that have supported you, your colleagues, gather all of the contacts that you can so that when you start kicking your networking into high gear, as you try to move forward, you have the two most critical pieces of information that you need to tell your story in a compelling way so that other people will buy in on you. So grab your numbers, grab your contacts, and then grab your Snuggie and your dog. Just in that order. That's all. I think, I think that's great advice because as you pointed out, most people do the opposite, you know? Yeah. Oh, just take it easy. Just just turn on Netflix and get under the covers. And I, you know, I get everyone's different. So something might work for them, but it's so easy to go 
going to go down that sliding slope, right? Like, okay, yeah. you know, I'm just going to do it tonight, you know, watching Netflix and eating ice cream and whatever. And then it's so yep. easy to just go down. So you, I, I kind of like what you're saying is that, all right, I get it. Maybe do that later, but mm -hmm. do something that's going to empower yourself, make you feel better about yourself. Because sometimes you just yeah. got to kind of get a win or two under your belt to get that self-esteem back up, right? Like, so if you just- Oh, yeah. Just, right? And if when you they just, shut like, your computer off, that information is gone. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not an uncommon- yeah. for uh especially in tech right or, or a lot of remote roles when that when that announcement is made about the company doing a restructuring um you may find that your your laptop is shut off by five o'clock that afternoon so Isn't you want to just right isn't that like the worst you know you'll be working a place for 20 years oh, and I then know. you know you get an email saying hey we don't need you and then boom you're cut off yeah wow. right it's brutal. It's brutal. It happens all the time. So it's just, you know, I, I think, um, and I know that you really stress being proactive in your career, yeah. which is what really draws me to you and what you're doing at recruiter and, and all the other things you're, you're all the other amazing yeah. things that you're doing, Jack. Um, but you know, one of those things is just hold yourself with accountable a little bit, uh, give yourself even just a benchmark every six months, maybe Christmas, maybe Easter, you know, or like 4th of July and New Year's and check in with your career, you know, gather the contacts that you need to have in your Rolodex at home and gather the numbers that really support the career story that eventually you're going to need to tell to somebody else. And when you do that, you keep that stuff, you keep on top of that stuff. You, number one, you're going to boost your self-esteem, like Jack said, because you're going to substantiate what is, what your impact really is and has been. And number two, you're going to support your career for the long term so that if you work with a recruiter, you work with the resume writer, a career coach, or maybe you go it all on your own and you want to tell that story in a compelling way to sell yourself into your next job, you have the data and the information you need to get you there. So that's the, that's the first place I'd start and, and snuggling the dog afterward. Absolutely. <laughs> but just make sure it comes third. That's awesome. So, Hey, <laughs> let me, is there. I know we talked beforehand that you have a couple of things in the work, but not done. Would you like to share and tease a little bit, you know, give sure. a preview, like, you know, like when you go in the previews <laughs> in the movie theater, and maybe a little yes. preview of stuff you're working on for people. And then afterwards, if you don't mind, if you could share how people could get in touch with you, how they could find you. You bet. Absolutely. Okay. So one thing that I love to coach on is our triple S system. And I was telling Jack backstage about this, but yeah. My husband and I calculated this number last year. I uh, have officially seen more than 16,000 medical sales professionals <laughs> resumes up to this point. In fact, we probably need to go back and recalculate, yeah. Jack, because it's probably been a little more than that. But the reason that's important at all is because when you look at that many of anything, and I'm sure anyone here who's had any kind of repetition in their job like this, patterns start to emerge. And what we found is that there are three specific areas that when they're done right, that trifecta will turn your resume from a chronology and a history into a sales page for your career. And that gains you incredible momentum when you're trying to get a job, especially in medical sales, but in all industries as well. So I'm going to be releasing my triple S system in form in the form of a course next in the fall. Um, and just to give you guys a little teaser, I'll tell you what the triple S system is made of right now. It's your story, your style, and your statistics. And again, that trifecta like that. is the cool. key. Yeah. And we, you know, that's what, um, 
looking back, that's what I had used unknowingly without naming it through my career and coming back from those layoffs. And now it's how we actually work with all of our clients as well. We use the triple S system to position all of our clients for their next role in their resume and on their LinkedIn profile. So I'll be building that. Um, it's almost done, but not quite yet. If you want to be the first to know about the triple S system, the course that is for the fall, if you will DM me triple S, I will make sure that you are on a list for the first to know about that course. And probably we'll have a founder's rate for those who buy in, in the first six months. So just DM me triple S and I'd be happy to share that with you. And the other piece is if you guys want to get in touch with me, if you need, um, someone to bounce off what's going on with you, with your layoff, if you're looking to get in or out of medical sales, or you just need someone to give you a second pair of eyes on your resume right now, just send me a DM. You can always find me on LinkedIn where I live. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be delighted yeah. to chat with you and hear your story. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Can I give you one little silly thing before we yes. wrap up? Yeah. Connecting dogs with the resume. Of so, course. <laughs> all right. So this goes back to where, you know, again, I'm going to age myself where, you know, you would have paper <laughs> resumes, you, you know, so they'd be on the computer, but then I would bring them home. Right. So I'd have like, I come home, I have a stack, you know, of resumes. And then myself and my and my dog, Buddy, who since passed away, Aww. is like an adorable, like little Lassie Sheltie kind of dog. And yes. we had this weird thing where I don't know how it started. I must have like had something like a resume. And I crumpled it and, and throw it. And anyone who has a dog, you probably see it. For some reason, they love chewing on like <laughs> the paper. So then, so, so like, I would go like read a resume. Right. And I wasn't being rude. Cause we still had it on a computer, but like, I'm re, you know, and I keep track of the ones that are good. And, and, and even if they're good, like, all right, cause I have, I know I have it stored, but I'll make a note like, okay, remember to call Claire Davis. She's good for this job. You know, can have a note and then take the resume, throw it. And he'd be like, <laughs> chewing it all up. And then within a couple of hours, Imagine like the living room is littered with paper shreds. And then my <laughs> wife, we would, this was go on all the time. And we, and then my wife would come in and she'd be like, what are you, would you stop that? What's wrong with you? Like, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, and then he, and then she'd look at Buddy and yeah. you know, so they give that cute derpy look like, oh hmm. yeah. And then, yeah, oh, and then yeah. it's all good. <laughs> and oh. then we go through the same thing tomorrow and the next day. <laughs> we, yeah. My my other dog Blue doesn't do that. She's not into it. So oh come on, Blue, have a resume mm -hmm. party with us. I'll try. Come I'll try up. it today. She's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. If you can get Blue to rip up a resume, yeah. let me know, and I'll, I'll gonna try that. <laughs> so Claire, thank thing. thank you so much for coming on. I I love the advice that you offered, and it's it's fantastic. So and what's interesting, it crosses over all sectors. You know what I mean? Like you could focus in one area. But a lot, like what you say, it doesn't matter whether, yeah. you know, whatever you're in, in accounting or finance or whatever, it really comes across. And I think even though things are a little better right now, as we have this conversation, things aren't perfect and people are still getting laid off, getting downsized, hiring freezes, hard to get promotions. So we need to give this kind of advice. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to share with the audience of what's going on. So thanks. I really appreciate it, Claire. And uh, I oh hope your gosh, husband feels sure. a little better. And oh, see you, little you. guy. <laughs> nice little fat. You have a wonderful family. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks, Jack. And My um, pleasure. I really appreciate uh, uh, 
you you putting this platform up here because I know that okay. it means a lot. It gives a lot of great information to people. So thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Well, thank you and have a great day and take care, everybody. Bye-bye.